Aloha, welcome to the Live Ukulele podcast. My name is Brad Bordessa. Thank you for joining me today. In this episode, I'm going to talk about something that came up in a lesson I was teaching. And that kind of goes along with the idea that instead of working harder to present a melody and try and capture the exact way that a vocal maybe sings a song and to create interest in the variation of that, to instead approach things like you are a band leader and what are the big broad stroke moves that you're going to make to kind of create the feeling of interest but in in an easier way so you're not focusing on the little itty bitty details you can paint with a broader brush and kind of just hack off a bunch of what you're trying to accomplish at once using different techniques and we'll talk about some of those Before we get started, if you are a paying customer of liveukulele.com and you have a login account, there's no way to have an account if you haven't bought one of my ebooks or video courses, there is now a forum that you can go check out and discuss things on. I've done a forum in the past and it kind of didn't really pan out because it wasn't linked to any specific discussions, but with this new software that I'm on, the forum threads can be connected to specific pages. So now instead of having the really kind of old-fashioned WordPress comments, now I'm using the forum linked to that page. The, the old comments are still there, but now if you want to continue the discussion, you click over to the forum, and there's a whole thread about that lesson that you can go check out. So it has kind of superseded the old comments section. Seems to be great, but... If you are listening to this and you want to jump in and share your thoughts, maybe reflect on a lesson that you've been working on recently, would super love to have your feedback there. See what we can kickstart in the new forum. But um, the easiest way to probably find that, just log into your liveukulele.com account and click on the link to the forum on your My Account page. Or anytime you go to a lesson page, there will be a link to navigate there as well to that respective thread so that's new i've also got a new shipment of ukulele chord shapes print books in so you can get the physical copy of my well-known ukulele chord shapes reference book that's a great one to have on your shelf and your ukulele book library just to reference chords Other things I've been working on is the Easy Songs for Ukulele database. That is a page that I have in the past just kind of said, like, these are the easiest ukulele songs you can play. But I've gotten to a point where that's not necessarily what I think people are looking for. They're not looking for a short list with some video tutorials to go along with because anybody can use Google and find that stuff. Instead, what I'm trying to do is kind of cultivate a database or a list of tunes that kind of that I've vetted to be easy to play because a lot of times people make those lists and they just pull song titles out of thin air stuff that's popular and it's not actually easy so right now I'm going through a big giant list of two chord songs and you know verifying that they're two chord songs and finding song sheets for those that I can link to and share to And so that'll be going up on the Easy Songs for Ukulele page soon. Check that out. I'll put a link in the podcast description 
But always onwards and upwards at liveukulele.com, trying to keep things fresh and to be the most useful possible. But with that said, if you like what you hear, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined of the podcast. And as always, you can support what I do by going to liveukulele.com slash store and grabbing yourself some lessons or ebooks over there. So one of my recent lessons that I had this week on Zoom, if you want to hit me up for a Zoom one-on-one lesson, check out the link in the podcast description. But my student was asking me, we're, we're working on like a solo arrangement of a song, how to figure it out by ear, how to add the chords with the melody, how to present it all together. And he was asking, well, should I focus on learning the variations that the melody goes through as different words are sung for different verses, right? As, as you sing a verse, it has a certain set of words and you're going to phrase those words a certain way as you sing them. And so when you're figuring them out on the ukulele, you're going to try and match the sound of the melody to those words so that you can almost hear the words in your head, play the notes on your melody, and you can kind of approximate it. You recreate it. That's the goal of, you know, capturing that music on the instrument. But then you go to a different verse and the words change. It's a new set of words. It's a new set of phrasing. It's all different. The gist is the same. The melody movement is probably the same, unless maybe it's like a, you know, you're singing the first verse again at the end of the song and you've changed the melody to be more intense and more exciting. But most of the time, the melody is going to be similar but the words will change and the phrasing will change. And he was asking, should I go through and learn like every single word as I play it on the ukulele? And he was saying, that seems like it would be super boring, but I can do that if you think that'll bring interest to the song that we're working on. And I said, no, I wouldn't do that because there's a lot more effective ways that you can create interest in a song. Because when you're playing a solo arrangement on the ukulele, you're trying to present it in a recognizable manner. And you do that by highlighting the parts that are really signature, and you take everything else that just supports, that's sort of the, you know, part of the illusion that makes it sound like it's nice and full, sounds like there's more happening than there actually is. You take that and you put it kind of in the back seat so it sits back. So the melody's obvious and out in front, whatever chords you play with, maybe you highlight a chord change when the harmony moves, that'll be obvious because you want people to pick up on the chord change. But for the most part, you're going to be kind of leaning on the melody and highlighting that. And so that's the main part of the song. But you also have to think that as you're arranging and as you're playing, you're the band director. You're, you have a band on your ukulele, and what you choose to play or choose not to play is basically, it's your prerogative. You can decide. It's all up to you. You might be reading off of a tab, and you know it a certain way. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you can make a judgment call and adjust something, change it, 
you know, move the melody an octave higher, move it an octave lower, change the chord harmonies. Maybe you don't strum in this one spot. Maybe you do a little picking pattern. Any of that kind of thing is up to you and you don't have to bow exactly to what, what is written or what you even, what even you think should be done. You don't have to do any of that, but there are some good general best practices that will help present the song in its best light. And as the band director, AKA the ukulele player, your goal is to present the song in a recognizable and pleasing way. That's it. You're not getting paid to be fancy. You're not getting paid to know the circle of fifths. None of that matters. All that matters is how you present the song and how it's just heard, how it's felt by your listeners. If, if that's just you yourself or your dog or whoever, it doesn't matter. It's, that is the goal, is creating a recognizable and pleasing piece of music. And that's what most people work towards. And I think to do that, you don't have to capture every single syllable, every single phrase, or every single word when the words change in a different verse. Because often you'll have a song structure that's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and the choruses are all the same melody and the same, you know, musically the same, same words usually, but the verses are phrased different because they often have different words. The verse is where you tell the story, that's where the story arc of the song comes from, usually, is in the verse. But I think that focusing on learning the exact curve of every single verse, the exact phrasing of those unique words, is not where your time is best spent. You can do that and add it on top of the stuff that I'll share with you, but... I don't think that it's the most bang for your buck mileage that you can get out of making a judgment call. If you know the words to a song super well and you can sing it yourself, you know all the lyrics, all the phrasing, exactly how it goes, adjusting the melody as you play is probably not going to be that big of a deal for you. It's probably, that's an easy adjustment you can make because you just kind of follow your ear if you're an ear player. Um... But if you don't know all the words or you're not an ear player and you feel like you couldn't figure out how to change the phrasing of what you're playing, then what I recommend is you learn to play one verse and one chorus and one of every part of the song that you need. But certainly for the verse, learn it one way. Learn it like how the first verse is sung because a lot of times people kind of remember the first verse best because it... It's like the first thing that happens, you have an intro, and then it's the first verse. Bang. That's like the introduction to the song. That's the part most people remember. And so if you learn to play that, and you play it convincingly, you catch all the phrasing so that your ukulele is approximating the syllables and where everything lands in that verse, your listeners are going to hear that. They're going to maybe sing along in their head because they know that first verse. And by the time you get to the second verse... They're going to trust that you know how the song goes and they're going to probably not know the second verse as well. And so what you can do is you can play that first verse again the same exact way, just as if you were singing the same words again. 
There are certain people who might notice that the phrasing is a little bit different. Like, oh, maybe that's the phrasing from the first verse. But the amount of people who are going to notice that is very, very, very small and not worth catering to because those are the same kinds of people who, you know, I don't know, walk into an art gallery and they look really closely at the painting and they notice the spot where the artist's brush slipped or they notice, you know, maybe they're listening really hard to a recording and they notice the part where you squeak on your chair in an otherwise perfect performance. That's that kind of person who would notice that. And typically those are not the kind of people you need to engage with or want to strive to impress because they will never be impressed, that type of person. So you play the first verse again. Learn that melody once, you play it again. What you do to create interest is what I really want to talk about in this episode. And I think, I think that a lot of people don't realize maybe that they can do these things or what the options are. But, but the way I think about it is I use my imagination as much as possible. In my head, I have a full orchestra, I have a full rock band, I have a full jazz ensemble, whatever instrumentation I need, it's in my head. And so I think, what is the ideal way that I would want to present this music and I listen to it in my head, and then I have to think, well, how would I express that on the ukulele? What parts do I get to emphasize? What parts do I have enough coordination to do at once? Because just because you can imagine it doesn't mean you can play all the parts. Not everybody's Charlie Hunter, where they have the bass line and the lead stuff and the chords going in the middle. It's like that, um, that amount of proficiency is mostly unheard of, even in the ukulele world with the real, you know, super duper proficient virtual virtuoso players. So you have to, you have to realize what is accessible for you. And, and that kind of goes back to being as efficient as you can be with the tools that you have and making, making the broad stroke movements that are going to seem like they do a lot for the music when they're not necessarily that difficult to play. And the first one that comes to mind that is obvious, but not a lot of people think about it enough, is dynamics, right? You can play a song softly. You can play a song loudly. You can play it in the middle and anywhere in between. It's a large spectrum. It's basically the the dynam dynamic range that you have on the ukulele is how quiet can you possibly play and how loud can you possibly play. It's really limited by your skill at, you know, acquiring as much of that range as possible. I have students, some who play really super quiet. And when I say, like, play as loud as you can, I want to hear how loud you can possibly play. And they only get up to, like, a soft medium volume. Like, that's as hard. Like, for me, that's something to practice. That's something to improve so that you have a bigger part of the spectrum so that when it comes time to express... When you're playing at 70%, it's further from zero than if you only play, you know, the loudest you can play is just medium soft. That's that you don't have as much effective range. So I think that's really important. If you don't do that, or if you tend to be a quiet player, or you tend to be a loud player, find the opposite value and try and work at that so that you really have some range to work with. Because that is... A really important thing because what you can do is independent of how loud or soft you play the individual song 
right? If you are going to play something soft and beautiful, I don't know, Tears in Heaven comes to mind. Something that's sad, you're not going to play that super duper loud and rowdy. You're going to play it, play it maybe slow and soft with that gentle dynamic. Whereas if you're going to play like, you know, um, one of the Toastmaster songs by Jake, Toastmaker, Toastmaster, I can't remember, Toast something or other. Those are the good old early days of Jake Shimabukuro's discography. Toast something, you're playing as loud as you can, and you're just whap, 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 banging on the strings until they kind of just stop getting any louder. They don't go any louder physically. They, That's just you're maxing out. Um, those are dynamics that might kind of overlay the entire song and you play within that dynamic for that whole song. But a lot of times what people don't do is vary the dynamics within the song. Because like I said earlier, the verse tells kind of the story arc of the song and the chorus is usually like the reinforcement or the punchline kind of of the story what is happening in the tune. And so by leaning on dynamics, you can emphasize that. If you listen to the Beatles or basically any band that has had any kind of commercial success, they have success because the music is fun. It's interesting to listen to. It's dynamic. It moves. It has different stuff going on. And what you'll notice if you pay attention is that when you have the start of the song and the verse, there's usually less instruments there's less going on or if it's the same amount of instruments they're playing quieter they're playing a different part that's a little bit less loud and then when you get to the chorus it's exciting we're reiterating the story of the song and now there are more instruments or it's more dense or the instruments that were playing softer are now playing louder or maybe just the mix engineer turned the volume up on that instrument to imply a greater sense of excitement but that is usually what happens within a produced recorded song something popular on the radio and that's something you can do on your ukulele and not many people do that certainly not at like a hobby level where you're playing just for yourself or for your dog or in your ukulele club whatever it may be for you whatever that enjoyment is that's not something that ends up on people's radar and it really 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 helps to express music better and so what you can do is you play in the verse quietly, softly, gently, because it's you're just getting the story going. And then when you hit the chorus, you're playing loud and strong and confident because that is, that's the rah-rah moment. That's when you really get going in the song. And then you don't stay at that level because with dynamics, you have to have a range. Otherwise, there's no dynamics. If everything is always loud, nothing is soft right? It's all about the contrast. And so in order to keep the contrast throughout the song, when you get to the end of the chorus, you have to go a little quieter again and go back into the verse. And then you get loud in the next chorus, and maybe the bridge is like medium loud. And then you can you can play with those dynamics and really make the song breathe just with like almost no effort. The, the effort you have to put in is like thinking about it and realizing, oh, this is a place where I should be loud. This is a place where I should be soft. Most people, if you've practiced a little bit playing two different dynamics, you can just do it. You don't have to like 
learn how to play with dynamics. You just have to think, now I'm going to use my loud chops. Now I'm going to use my soft chops. And that's all there is to it. And then you just use that to express the song. So for instance, if I was going to play Ahelau Makani, just kind of came to mind as an example of this, there aren't, you know, and a huge abundance of Hawaiian songs that have a verse and a chorus that are in the hui style of writing. A lot of Hawaiian songs are just verse, verse, verse. And for that kind of thing, you have to feel out different ways to create the interest. A lot of times you'll sing a verse twice and the first time through the verse is more mellow and the second time through the verse is like harmonized. Everybody harmonizes on the second time through the verse. So that's like the exciting and then you go back to the second verse but the first time through and it's a little bit more sparse and that's how you create the dynamics for that style and it's going to really depend on the genre and you know that'll be left up to your understanding how you want to interpret it but for this song Ahelau Makani we have an obvious verse and an obvious chorus so I'll play a little bit of it I'm going to kind of exaggerate what I'm talking about here but I'm going to play the verse softly and quietly and then when it gets time to be the chorus going to really kind of step on the gas and increase the volume so that in that part of the song it feels a little bit more exciting all right so here's Ahelo Makani by Queen Lili'o Kalani Right. So I, I kind of transition my way between the two different parts of the song. It's not necessarily you're shifting gears, not like you're in a car and you're going from third gear to fourth gear. It's not necessarily drastic like that. But what you're trying to do is kind of ramp into the difference in dynamics. So you start on the verse, you're a little bit quieter. And then when you jump into the chorus, it's not a hard break. You're not just all of a sudden banging on the instrument. You want to kind of lead it there. And a lot of times there will be a turnaround or a fill or a little run or you just strum your chords or whatever. That's that's where like turnarounds and vamps come from. It's like that's the kind of the, the hinge in the middle of the different parts of the song that makes them kind of flex. And you can adjust in those periods into the new dynamics, into the new feel of whatever is happening next. And at the end of the chorus, I kind of goofed around and messed up. But you go back down to a lower volume for that verse. And of course, that's very exaggerated. You're not going to maybe necessarily want to play with that much dynamic. Um, but it gives you just an idea of like the idea think about this, be mindful of it, and just try and implement that so that you can get a little bit more mileage out of your movements 
without needing to think about things like learning every single syllable in the melody. Boring. Just play with some dynamics. The next thing that you can do to like a band director move that you can make is to change your rhythmic approach. Not necessarily the timing because you can always adjust whether you play the song slow or fast, but like which parts of the bar you're going to emphasize. That is a really kind of profound way to change the song easily is just by changing the rhythmic feel of what's going on. Once again, I'll go back to Ahelo Makani and I'll just play some examples of some stuff that sort of comes to mind. Different ways, like just, I'll just play a couple of the chords and just play them in different ways that captures a different rhythmic feel that you can then put the rest of the song around or, or just a part of the song, right? Because a lot of times exciting music changes in feel halfway between. You have to figure out a way to do it elegantly but those changes do happen. It's not just always static, the same exact thing. Okay, so this song is in like three, four, six, eight, kind of a rolling feel. So it's going to be a little different from what you might normally play in four, four. But just to give you an idea of what you can do here, um, I might try some things like this. So. Like that's like the bone stock sort of feel I was using before when I just played it. But what I can do is that's kind of like where my emphasis is right there. But I can make it more like chugging. So like not changing the tempo. then it's more like a pulsing feel so it drives along in a different sort of a way Sometimes dynamics don't have to be necessarily just soft and loud. It has to do with like the density of what's happening. And so if you were to play a, a pattern like that, I'm really stripping down what's happening rhythmically. So it's just kind of punches on each chord change. And you can do that to make the verse feel more empty, like there's less going on. It's it's like a signature thing, right? That's a recognizable rhythm that most people can attune to, but it's there's not a whole lot going on. You're not keeping the rhythm going like do 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 do. It's more more of a driving. It's not really a riff. Maybe it's like a, a rhythmic motif or a rhythmic riff. Um, and then from there. That's that's like loud. I was playing that pretty strongly, just that part. So what you can do is instead of increasing the volume, I'll play like two times around for the verse and then two times around for the chorus. And I'll show you what I'm going for. So here's the verse. Mm -hmm. 
and then the chorus. I'm not really changing the dynamics, the vault, the actual volume, but I'm changing the dynamics in a way that is more like, like density based. And so that's another interesting way to think about it. And that's a really great thing for your rhythmic considerations too, is if you try and strip back the rhythm so that it's super, super bare, nothing going on, maybe even just play on the one, just bonk, bonk, bonk. That's sufficient in a lot of situations and and by having that space you're not driving as hard in that part of the song when you go to the next part of the song and you bring everything back to like full scale it's really dramatic that's what you're going for is you're trying to create drama in music and change change things around so that it's not always just the same thing all the way through the song which is tempting it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security when you do that. It's just like, oh, this is easy. It sounds nice. But it's really, you kind of lose a little bit of the magic if you're not trying to also play in those other ways. Okay, so that rhythmic thing kind of touches on it. But you got to think about like parts. Okay, I did a, a workshop a bunch of years ago on like alternate ukulele parts and it never really took off too much because there's at the workshop I was going to there weren't enough like advanced players to really be able to play some of the examples that I had like oh let's play this sick little picking pattern that kind of makes it work I think he used like a Michael Jackson song as an example and it was just over everybody's head to actually play it they're like oh it sounds cool but I can't play that um which is which is fine but you have to be considerate of people's levels obviously that's something i was still trying to iron out with my teaching knowledge at the time but when it comes to parts you know i'm i'm in a band and in a rock band it's really super obvious what the parts are you have a drummer or we have a drummer a bassist a guitarist and the ukulele that's me and so we all have a role. Obviously, the drums and the bass are easy to separate. They're going to be doing their own thing pretty much no matter what. And even if I was trying to copy them, it wouldn't sound the same. But with the guitar, Ryan and I have to be mindful of playing off of each other and kind of like utilizing our instruments in the most, the best, most efficient way to kind of maximize the potential of having those two instruments that can kind of create the same sorts of sounds. If he's playing a reggae chank or something, a lot of times I won't play that. I'll play the opposite part that I'm hearing in my head. So if, if we're playing like uh, some sort of a reggae song and he's playing this. You have the, the drums and the bass back in the background holding it down. But what I'm typically, I, I do sometimes, but I don't typically also play... So there's two instruments playing that part. What I'll tend to try and do is do more of a picking thing so that my part on top of the chank would become something like. Mm -hmm. 
so that on top of the reggae thing, I got the chords kind of backwards there, but you have two different things going and they interlock and create a greater, a greater sort of a sound. And then when it's time to really kind of push on the gas and we want to be like maybe loud and rambunctious, that is the time where maybe then I start to double the chords in more of a full way. Like, like if Ryan's playing this still, and we're trying to really build the energy, I might like lean on that beat a little bit more than normal, but I still might try and do um, some, something that's like a little bit more busy maybe. That just like fits around what he's doing, but it's not the same thing. And so having that, that difference, you kind of have the density option and you're arranging on a solo instrument but when you have a band you have four times as much leeway and four times as much stuff that can be going on you can go from dead stop nobody's playing the song is like essentially on pause nobody's playing maybe the drums are playing just really quiet you know holding down a rhythm and then you can add the bass and the drums then you have like a a bottom end groove going on and then when you add the other instruments you have everything and, and everything in between a lot of times we'll stop and just one guy will play maybe ryan will just keep the chords going or there will be just a bass line happening and by leveraging that and by thinking about that in your head not necessarily that everybody has a band at their disposal to experiment with these things with or to present their songs in that way but you can take those same approaches and use it try and approximate it on a solo instrument. Like for for a number of years, I was kind of playing, playing out, playing gigs and doing like singer-songwriter kinds of stuff where I would try and like just as a solo ukulele player, sing and strum my ukulele and like rock the house. It was like trying to figure out how to be a little bit more hyped up than just like, oh, it's a beautiful ukulele song or a beautiful Hawaiian song. Like the genre was insisting that I try and rock a little bit harder. And so to do that, you can you can only go so hard, right? If I'm if I'm singing. That, like that might be as much energy as I can as I can muster up. But if I was to change my rhythm and bring the volume down, bring the density way down. With the single strums. And then my chorus. Right? I have to, you have to think of how you're going to utilize what you can do to, to make it work. And I've found that a lot of what makes a song, any song, any arrangement, but especially like playing solo like that, you have to stop. You have to leave spaces. You have to play less. Otherwise, it's just loud all the time and nothing is exciting. You can't go up from loud. Loud is as big as it gets, especially on a, an instrument with a limited volume range. Like the ukulele isn't super loud. You can turn it up on the PA, but just like 
as an instrument, it only has so much dynamics. Like a piano can go really soft and really loud, and the ukulele doesn't have that kind of a big range or a big sound like that. You have to kind of lean into it other ways. And so by thinking about those stops, stop the song. There's nothing wrong with stopping and waiting a bar. Like you do a punch on the one, um, like like in that example, stupid little example I was playing. Four. Right, this is a new kind of rhythm thing already. Like that's kind of like four different rhythmic styles with just that simple little chord progression at that tempo with that sort of a feel that's like four expressions that i just kind of played there and you have to use you don't have to but a lot of times in order to paint with the most colors and to get the emotion in the song across as a solo ukulele player you have to experiment with learning how to use all of those and not be afraid to stop play less play more, play somewhere in the middle, figure out different ways to to kick things around. A lot of a lot of the rhythm that people play is like safe, right? One and two and three and four and that's great. But if you want to get more funky and you want to emphasize certain parts, certain aspects of the rhythm or aspects of the song, it's good to get familiar with like awkward punches. So like if you listen to like a crazy any, any number of crazy jazz bands or big bands or anything like that, they have breaks, they have punches. Maybe all the horns go and that rhythm, like there was one, one long run, one shorter run. I don't even know what time signature it's in. It might not even be in four. I'm not sure. But by getting used to those weird feels of like, throwing things off by doing things a little bit differently you can approximate all that when you're strumming and moving through a piece of music and by creating those breaks you are really really adding to that interest i think and it's something that is very much kind of not spoken about not thought about everybody's focused on like what notes do i play how do i play the scale how do i solo and play the right notes when i solo and that's all good, but if you don't have an interesting way to present it or your arrangement's flat and boring, then you're never going to get the most potential out of that. So you might as well spend some time really, I mean, you're probably going to want to have a lot of like rhythmic chops behind you to kind of to kind of get situated with the style and understand like the different places you can stop and the different ways you can change your strumming a lot of times that is the kind of the restricting factor and so you know, for me I, I like to teach that style with you know your hand is locked to the grid i've talked about the grid on the podcast before i did groove ukulele is a whole ebook and set of video lessons to go along with that and teach people how to strum because everything that I did in that example was great 
because, I mean, not necessarily great. It was just an example. Whether you like it or not is up to you. But it's it worked in that sense. It worked for me because it was in time. If your hand was like on and off and on and off and you didn't know where you were doing or how to actually execute those strums and those feels, then it's not going to sound nearly that good and it's not going to be something you can just pull out of your bag of tricks. You really need to have the confidence to hit all those different rhythms. And so, you know, if, if you want to have a solid start there, I would say jumping in with the grid um, and playing on each beat, learning how to emphasize one beat out of every, every, you know, out of your eight slots in the grid, you learn to emphasize every single one. And then you combine and you do as many combinations of two and as many combinations of three as you can figure out so that you're really getting used to pushing and pulling in strange places and also leaving space. If you don't play in the other seven or six slots in the grid, you're having to wait and that's going to create space. And those sparse patterns give you that density in the kind of overall rhythm dynamic. So if you want to learn more about that, I mean, that's that's something that anybody who um, is self-guided can figure out on their own. Just go back and listen to the the grid or the groove ukulele podcast. I'll try and remember to throw a link in the podcast description for that one. Um, but if, if you want a little bit more guidance, that is in, that's something I walk through in the groove ukulele lessons and in the ebook, you can check that out. I'll put a link to that as well, but it's just really getting that, that confidence with what is happening there, but circling all the way back to my student, You don't need to recreate every single syllable, every single phrase exactly to match the words when they change throughout the song. I think that is really something that would be overkill and you can spend your efforts and your time doing other things that are a lot more impactful for the overall big picture. And some of those different things, most of those different things really have to do with volume dynamics and rhythm dynamics. If you have those two things, you can really do most of most anything you can imagine. And like the melody, the melody is the melody. You're just going to play the first verse a couple times over and over. And you're not going to need to change it because you have rhythmic stuff in your back pocket. But you're not going to necessarily change the melody. And the chords don't necessarily have to be fancy. Everybody always gets into this rut of thinking that like, oh, it has to be fancy chords. It has to be fancy picking. It has to be advanced. It has to be intermediate. It has to be all this stuff. And the truth is that like, it's probably better if you play basic stuff and you learn how to execute it well with rhythmic dynamics and things like that. Um, so, you know, learning, learning where you want to play to push or pull the music in a certain kind of style that's going to go a lot further than focusing on like, oh, I need to like drill my scales and learn fancy jazz chords and all that stuff. If you can't present it in a musical or clever way, you're kind, kind of wasting your time. Not, I mean, there's value in practicing that stuff for sure. But like I always say, you have to musically apply things for it to stick. Otherwise, then I do feel you are wasting your time. If you're not using it, you're going to lose it. And it's just not going to stick with you. It's not going to mean anything to your music because you haven't used it. You haven't figured out how to apply it. So 
get super comfortable with rhythms as much as possible and really super pay attention to your dynamics, the actual volume of what you're playing. If you can't play quiet, learn to play quiet. If you can't play loud, learn to really bang out the notes and the chords. And that will make a large difference in most people's playing. If you just pay attention to those those two different things, you'll find a lot of variation and I think your music will kind of come to life. But you have to think about it. If you're it's sort of like a once you've learned the song kind of thing. If you're thinking about it while you're learning the song, if you have to really focus on the song, you're going to not be able to think about arrangement things so much. And if you're, you know, thinking about arrangement things, you're not going to be able to think about actually playing the notes and the chords right. So you probably want to just learn the song first, get comfortable with that, and from there, then you will have hopefully some more processing power in your brain. Everything else is on autopilot. You can think about just how do I want to express the song? Do I want it to be loud? Do I want it to be quiet? Do I want to change the rhythm going into the chorus? Those kinds of things. So just get as familiar as you can with the pieces that you want to take to another level. And, you know, going back to the iteration podcast a couple episodes ago, don't try and do this all on new stuff. Go revisit an old song and change the dynamics. Revisit an old song and change the rhythms that you're using. That's that's my whole thing. Is just experiment and spend the time just goofing around. I have another student who is just very content and he was kind of adamant when we first got started like I don't I don't want to have a goal. I don't want to have like a trajectory plan. I just um I like farting around with stuff and experimenting and making nice sounds. And even if it's really basic, that just makes me happy at this point in my life. And that's what I want to focus on. And I, I wish more people had that kind of outlook. They weren't like trying to do stuff fancy all the time and get discouraged when it doesn't sound fancy. It's like, just, just do the basic stuff in as many different ways as you can possibly imagine. And you will get at least as much out of the music as somebody who is really grinding and, you know, Diddle, 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 practicing the fancy stuff. It's all just about the the enjoyment of the music at the end of the day. So, anyways, enough about that. My name's Brad Bordessa. The Live Ukulele podcast is published on the first and third Saturdays of every month. If you are an existing Live Ukulele customer, go check out that forum. Drop a reply on one of the threads. Let me know what you're up to, what you're playing. I would love to hear from you folks and get some conversations started over there. If you're not a Live Ukulele customer, you can become one. And that is a wonderful way to support what I do, creating all of my free resources and this podcast. Just go to liveukulele.com slash store and find something you like the looks of. And just having that, you know, a single product or whatever will get you into the forum so you can look around in there and yeah be paying my bills so thank you very much for your consideration and for all the support over the years i will catch you next time i think i have a discussion with my good friend hualalai coming up and he's kind of a fringe dude we'll say in the best of ways in the best of ways he's just a dear dear friend he is quite hawaiian you know, has more percentage Hawaiian blood than most people and had some really interesting perspectives on how that 
affects music and some of the different, you know, the ways that we experience music in this modern age, especially here in Hawaii. So we had a fun, interesting discussion, and I am really excited to share his knowledge with you folks. So catch you next time. Until then, be well out there. Keep on jamming. Play for fun. Just experiment. Sit down. Diddle. Try things. You're not going to break anything. You're not going to hurt anyone or anything except for maybe ears. So if that's a problem, go sit in your car. Go sit in the bathroom. Whatever you got to do to find that place to just play some music for yourself. So with that said, catch you next time. Ahui ho. Ahui ho.